Hi, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. Many thanks to comics creator, author Dan Jurgens for jumping in and talking with me for a few minutes today. Thank you so much. May I call you Dan? You sure can. Always good to be here. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, Glad to have you on the podcast space. You did a written interview for me a few years back on a blog. So glad to be talking with you in virtual space. And I'll mention just a few titles here at the beginning that folks out there will probably know you for. I'll actually mention characters. Uh, Booster Gold, Doomsday, Wave Rider, Cyborg Superman, The Death of Superman. Um, so many titles from uh, DC, Marvel, and Valiant that have your name attached to them. We could spend the entire episode just listing titles, I kind of feel like. Um, you've been rather prolific. If I could remember them all, we could try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I'm curious. I know that you've talked about some of your history with comics and your experiences with some of those titles in other spaces before. But I'm curious about what makes comics this unique medium, um, unique enough to draw in your attention as an author and creator. You know, I think it's this interesting combination of words and pictures. And, you know, when you think about it, the, the stuff we grow up reading, and by that I don't mean comics, but for most of us, the books we first started reading were a fusion of words and pictures. They were, you know, they'd be called kids' pictures books or picture books or something like that. Um, to me, comics are just an extension of that. And I think there's something about the visuals that are in comics or kids books or any book for an adult for that matter to kind of stimulate the uh, imagination a little bit and in some cases it shows us a world that we might not have been able to otherwise imagine and I have always just found this merger of word and image to be very very compelling uh -huh. um, and in part because and I think this was especially true when I would have started reading real superhero type stories, which is what most of comics were certainly back then, you know, about the only way to really tell those stories were in comics because the special effects didn't really exist yet for the movies or TV in any really, truly convincing manner. And so that if you wanted that kind of material, comics was the best vehicle for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the movies and television have come a long way, yes. certainly. Um, curious about sort of what it feels like to look back on the medium um, and the contributions that you've made. Uh, and kind of at this point, looking back, thinking about the characters you've created, the stories that you've shared, and, and kind of the mark that you've made in comics. Well, um, so... I, I, that's a lot. And, and so <laughs> yeah. as, as I, you know, certainly as, as I look back, uh, when I would have started, I, so I, I first started working in, um, I think late 81 and my first work was published in early 82, I believe. And so at that time I could not have foreseen where the industry would be, where the, the concept of, uh, superhero fiction would be relative to movies and, and television, um, not to mention video games, action figures, everything else. Uh -huh. All that sort of was very much a distant world. And whether it was the idea of creating a character like Booster Gold, which was just a couple of years later, 
this thought that it would be um, something that was present for decades later is something I could not have imagined. Uh, just as when we did the death of Superman, I could not possibly have imagined it enduring, it having the original success that it did, being kind of a global uh, sort of phenomenon, and then also enduring the way that it has. Uh, I, I have told many of um, my younger contemporaries that back then, you know, we did a comic, it went out, and that was about it. It was rare for anything we did to ever get reprinted. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. much less pulled into a collected edition or a hardcover edition uh, and or even beyond that this idea that almost everything you do is going to be collected uh somehow that that was inconceivable to to me and the rest of us at that time so i think um as i look back on it it's remarkable to see how much has changed how much comics are now part of the pop culture and general vernacular for everybody where, you know, I, I can, you know, you go down the street, people know who Thanos is, right? <laughs> and that's something that once upon a time, uh, late 70s, early 80s, when his first stories came out, I can, you never would have found anyone on the street who knew that. So yeah, the changes are absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you envision happening in the future of comics, sort of the, the next waves or steps? Um, I don't know. I I have some suspicions. I, I could well be wrong. I, I do think um, that the monthly floppy comic, as we have known it for a long, long time, is pretty much in its final stages. Uh, that may hopefully transition into something else. They might be comic albums where you know maybe it's a uh like a ten dollar square bound sort of thing that you get every month that has a spider-man a fantastic four and a captain america story in it uh -huh. maybe we move into something beyond that which is even more sort of that european graphic album format uh -huh. i suspect maybe not though because i do think we have a readership base that is still built very much on the idea of a weekly, if not a weekly trip to a comic store, then the weekly delivery of a comic story some way, somehow. And I think we're all trying to figure that out right now. But I, I do kind of sense that a fairly significant transition is in the winds. Yeah, yeah. Um, as you kind of look back, I know I'm asking you to look forward and then look back again. Um, so I hope that's not too much whiplash. Uh, just curious about the sort of sort of the comfort stories, the stories that you return to. I know everybody knows Death of Superman and uh, some of those larger beats, but are there those um, sort of quieter pockets of your career that you look back fondly on as well? Yeah. And, and um, you know, sometimes for different reasons, sometimes it's because I can look back on it and see the growth, the creative growth that that happened over the course of that. I think um, if I think back to Booster Gold, volume one, so the first 25 issues from, say, 85 to 87. Um, there you see the growth, I think, of a writer artist, because. Uh, and I've said this before many times, when I first started, I really didn't know what I was doing, writing um, a series like that. I had done some writing prior to that. 
But what I always say is every writer has a few good issues in them. Um, building beyond that and making it endure and last is a little different. And I think you saw me progress there. And uh, so I, I do look back at that with fondness, if for no other reason that it does, it does represent, I think, creating a character that was ahead of its time, that I think Booster Gold is more relevant today than he was then. Um, so I, I think just, you know, I can look back at that and acknowledge where the concept of the character was ahead of the execution of the series and eventually it, it caught up. So there is that. I think being able to have several different runs on Superman over the years has been important because it shows the ability to really have kind of a good connection to the character and one that also moves with the times uh, and to have been able to contribute to this incredible tapestry of Superman's that has now, for me, been, you know, three decades long and to try and, and do those things. So I think that's uh, significant. Um, I also look back and just kind of see, you know, for example, my run on Thor, uh, where was 70 some issues that I wrote with some really awesome, incredible artists and kind of throughout that series took Thor on a journey of sorts that, that I think in retrospect was pretty significant. And, and so I look back on that one fondly and then even uh, something like zero hour, which is uh -huh. um, it, as well as, you know, sort of conquering the editorial part of it. Since then, when we see crossovers, we don't see them written and drawn by one person, especially when they come out weekly. Now crossovers have turned into something very different where they're far less focused and, and they're all done by many hands, which I think if you look back on, you know, like Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was, you know, here's Marvin George with Dick Giordano and Jerry Ordway. As anchors, you know, doing that series, it was so self-contained and wonderful. Um, you know, Zero Hour as a project was one that almost broke me, uh, just trying to get it out there on the schedule that it was. But to have done that and have that now as that collected sort of effort is important. And then, yeah, and then even being able to come back to Booster Gold and revisit the character over time or have a character like Doomsday, which has become a very real part again, of that tapestry of Superman, just as Cyborg Superman has, where we see them in movies, in animated features, in video games, action figures, everything. Yeah, I take a lot of pride in that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You, you've also made a mark on characters like Captain America, um, in addition to your Thor run, Spider-Man. And so uh, I, I think the the print has been felt. Um, you You were mentioning some names there, I'm curious about folks that were especially positive, especially positive on your creative journey. And also um, as someone who has been in the business for a while, folks that you've had the chance to kind of foster and uh, help along that you're especially proud of now. Oh yeah. So um, certainly when, you know, for the people who were there in the beginning for me, I think, and, and I've related this in, in many places when I was a kid, like 14 years old, I wrote and drew my own little Manhunter story from mm -hmm. the DC character Manhunter. And I send it in 
and someone told it to Walt Simonson. And, and Walter at the time, he tells me he was impressed by it. So <laughs> very, very kind of him. And, and he wrote me back and said, you know, this is great. Can I keep this? And I'll trade you a Manhunter drawing, which he then did for me. And so we started to correspond. And I, I think Walter's encouragement over those years that I went through high school and everything were um, certainly important. Uh -huh. When I did show up with work that was ready to go, um, and I showed my portfolio to Mike Grell, who at that time was uh, the creator of Warlord, that he was just writing, no longer drawing, you know, Mike urged me to send it in to his editor, uh, Lori Sutton, because at that time they were looking for someone else potentially to draw the book. And that's where I started. Uh, so I, I start with those three individuals as people who were behind me and, and championing me. And then certainly once I was at DC, uh, a number of editors, uh, Dick Giordano was huge uh, in backing me and, and, uh, I, I would like to say a fan of my work, but I think more importantly, a fan of the way I work uh -huh. and very encouraging. And he and I worked together quite a lot with him inking me. Um, later, Mike Carlin, as editor on the Superman books, uh -huh. uh, certainly had a great deal to do with, with my development. And I think ultimately, no matter where we're at, we're, we're picking up tidbits. We're picking up something from somebody. And, and I think what's so important is early in our careers, it's so important to learn how to be professional. And that is something that I sort of had when I came in anyway, because I had already been working in the graphic design and advertising field. Uh -huh. So, you know, those are some of the names. And then, you know, in a way, I think that you ask about those who I have influenced or had an effect on, I think that's more for them to answer yeah, yeah, than, sure. than for me. Um, I, I think that I've had a number of really good, very positive creative relationships, or that they go back then to writers I work with, like um, whether it was Mike Grell, um, Jim Starlin, Archie Goodwin, Denny O'Neill. I learned from all of them as writers. Two anchors I worked with, whether it was Dick or, you know, um, Brett Breeding and R.T. Bear and so many others that I worked with in those first set of years going through the early Superman stuff to other artists I have written for since um, where maybe they've gotten something from me or other younger writers that I've drawn for where maybe they've gotten something from me. But I, I like to think that by and large, the creative relationships I've built up have all been good, have all been positive. And that we all kind of learn from each other anyway. And the fact is, I continue to kind of keep working with the same people. And that group gets bigger and bigger. So I think it's worked out well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most of the people, well, everybody that has agreed to be on the show are very, very kind. And I'm just struck by sort of the kind network of folks that seem to support each other in the industry that at least the ones that have come on and, and had the chance to talk with me have been very, very kind. Um, curious. Yeah, Oh, if, sorry, if I may, I, I would also Absolutely. add one thing to that. Another thing that has been that I feel very fortunate about is that because I both write and draw, it has allowed me to work with people in different capacities than if I did just one of those tasks. So I have been able to write for Kurt Swan. I was able to write for John Buscema. I was able to write for Gil Kane. 
at the same time, as I said earlier, I was able to draw stories that were written by Denny O'Neill or Archie Goodwin or Stan Lee and, and many others. And so I do feel very fortunate. And that's one of the great things about being a writer artist is it allows you to build more creative relationships and work with more people beyond the more traditional silo of if you're just a writer or if you're just an artist. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, that speaks to your talent and range as well um, as an all cheer. As I, I introduced you as author, and I know that a lot of what an artist brings to the page is also authoring and interpreting scripts and thinking about how the story takes place. Quite true, yes. I'm curious about what has your creative attention right now, what you're currently working in. I know um, your marketing comics has continued with 52 in the past decade. Um, So I'm curious about those creative steps now. Yeah, I have just, um, and this book actually just came out this past week. We did a, um, you know, uh, last year was the 30th anniversary of the death of Superman. And we did a special edition to commemorate that. Well, then 30 years ago this year was the 30th anniversary of the return of Superman. And we also did a special edition for that. And we had just wrapped that up just before it went to print. So it's still quite recent for me, even though the book is out. I have also just finished um, drawing an issue of Superman Lost that was written by Christopher Priest. Uh, that will be out fairly soon. We're just wrapping that one up today. Uh, I am writing a project, um, a Batman project of all things that we really have not announced yet. So I can't say much more than that. And then have a couple other things that are set to go for, you know, middle of 2024. So, you know, it's, the work is still there, (laughs) which is nice. It's like every time I try and slow down a little bit, I, I never can. So, and I think that's a good problem to have. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, a good problem. That's also a compliment, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, excited to see the Batman story out in the works. And Superman Lost is uh, a really visually engaging book. I uh, like the the science fiction aspect of that book as well. Yeah, it has. It's a. It's an interesting take on Superman, and and I think that one of the things, um, and this goes to what you asked earlier about you know what's coming in comics. I had the sense that more series like that, which are an open and closed set of books, uh, maxi series is the older term, but you know, here is a Superman story by this creative team. Uh-huh. Um, and I think we may drift into an area that is more like that, sort of like, um, uh, you know, a year or so ago, I did a Booster Gold Blue Beetle set series that was like that so then it's its own collection and it takes place in its own uh time span of stories and i think i think we're going to drift more in that direction as well yeah yeah well i am eager to see the work that is to come and the directions for the characters that you've created the the stories that you've created and i promised you a brief talk did we miss anything that you want to make sure to share before we close out i don't think so jason i think we're good All right. Uh, The only other question I have is the art piece behind you over your shoulder, because that looks like some lovely children's art. So it looks like there's art in the family. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's um, (laughs) something my then much, much younger son 
did as a as a kind of a Father's Day drawing for me. So yes, that's that's what that is, and that's yeah, that goes way back now. Love it, love it, and love yeah. the juxtaposition next to the the framed artwork there. Oh, of course, well. yeah, you've got to have that by oh, all yeah. means. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, Dan, thank you again. It's a pleasure to meet you and pleasure to share about your work. Thank you, Jason. Always a pleasure.